Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Friend of a Friend. I'm your host, Olivia Perez. I'm a journalist, interviewer, and the creator of the show where we sit down, make a new friend, and go inside the minds of some of the most innovative and creative forces shaping our world today. As someone with a social media following, a question I often get asked is, how do you cultivate an audience online? And I'll admit, it is no easy feat. So today, I decided to bring on the ultimate person to help us answer this question. Today, we're joined by influencer, lifestyle blogger, and podcaster, Mariana Hewitt. As a leading social media voice with over a million followers, the host of her chart-topping podcast, Life with Mariana, and the co-founder of the cult favorite beauty brand, Summer Fridays, Mariana is here today to give us the guidebook of her best tips and tricks on how to become an influencer and cultivate an audience around the things that you love. I absolutely adore Mariana. I think that she's one of the kindest people in this business, and she's done it all. She started on YouTube, she built an Instagram following, she's now on TikTok, and she created a brand that is so widely beloved. If you're like me, that jet lag mask is on my top shelf for life. I hope you guys love this episode. Mariana is full of so many gems. If you haven't followed the show yet and you find yourself coming back and listening, take the time to follow us, rate, and review the show. If you love the show, share it on social. I love seeing when you guys are listening and I'll always slide in your DMs and say hi. I hope you guys have an incredible week ahead. Thanks so much for tuning in. Here's my friend, Mariana Hewitt. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm beyond excited to have the creme de la creme influencer (laughs) on the show today. Thank you for having me. Of course. I'm so excited today because I feel like I get so many questions about what it's like being an influencer, growing that following, growing that community. So today I'm going to bombard you and really get in the weeds of what it's like to be an influencer and all the behind the scenes. Hopefully there's a lot of good tips to share because I've been doing this for a long time now. So since 2012, it's been almost 10 years uh, of creating content every single day. I love it. And I love that you just brought that up because I want to go all the way back then because I remember those early days of social media. And I feel like, I don't know if you agree, but at least in my perspective, I wasn't really privy to the idea that it was becoming a business. I think I was just kind of going with the flow. And I think, I don't know if you agree, but being an influencer kind of felt like something a lot of people fell into rather than were striving to become during that time. So would love to hear for you, what was that moment that you could really see yourself pursuing this as a career rather than a hobby? So when I started in 2012, being an influencer was not 
a career path you could aspire to have or that you could follow because there were no like really working influencers yet at the time. It wasn't for a few years later that really became uh, the beginning part of this industry. And so when I started, well, when I grew up, I wanted to be Oprah when I grew up, like many of us do. And one of my, one of the things I love about her was like Oprah's favorite things. And I was like, how can I have Mariana's favorite things? And so going down my previous career path, I was working as a TV host. I was doing entertainment news and then fashion and beauty before starting my YouTube channel and eventually my Instagram and my blog. And I always had a passion for sharing the things that I loved, but I thought back then the only way you could do that was to be on somebody else's platform and share it through their network or a show or whatever it might be. And so when YouTube came around in 2012, this is a way to have your own network and show without having the barriers of somebody needing to hire you or being on someone else's network or a producer telling you what you need to create and share. And so I started my YouTube channel in 2012. I uploaded my first makeup video almost 10 years ago. And a lot of the products I used in that video, I still use to this day. And at the time I was working, I was working full time as a TV host. And so I didn't really have that much time to dedicate to creating content because video content, especially on YouTube is just really time consuming. And we didn't have all the cameras and apps and phones and stuff that we do today. And so it really was a time consuming process. And so as I was working, I didn't have that much time to dedicate towards it. But in 2013, I started my Instagram And as I was going to red carpets for work, or I would be waiting for my turn to interview somebody, I would take pictures of myself and I'm already dressed up. I did all my hair and makeup to be there. And my followers started asking me, instead of who did you interview or where can I watch this clip? They said, what are you wearing? How did you do your hair and makeup? Where did you buy that dress? Where are those shoes from? And so it was like accidentally becoming an influencer and people caring more about what I was sharing. And then by 2014, I launched my blog and This is when like brands used to message me and be like, can I PayPal you $50 to post this thing on your feed? And then you can delete it after a day. And I'm like, yeah, like I can make this extra money on the side. So I had no idea. And there's very few bloggers, influencers, YouTubers at the time. Well, you were either a YouTuber or you were a blogger. There was no word like influencer yet. And there was definitely not just like social media influencers. And so by April of 2014, I could become a blogger full time and that's when I was making enough money from these random brands reaching out. And I reached out to a management company and I said, I have this Instagram. I just launched my blog. I have a YouTube channel. Brands are reaching out to me. I know it's really early, but would you be interested in representing me? And they were like, let me take a look at your profiles. And they were like, we usually wouldn't take somebody this early on, but we see potential in you. They said, yes. And then I've been doing this full-time ever since. Talk about advocating for yourself. I love that, especially during a time where it wasn't so popular to put yourself out there like that is incredible. There was no way I would have known how to navigate the world of becoming an influencer blogger. There was one contract before I was signed with them that I tried to negotiate on my own and I didn't realize what exclusivity meant. And I (laughs) shot myself in the foot and I signed a one-year exclusivity that I couldn't work with hair. And I didn't realize what I was signing until afterwards. And I was like, this is why I need management. Like for me, I don't mind working with a manager and them taking a percentage of the incoming jobs that I get because they get so much more value out of it because this is what they're doing day in and day out. They know what to look for. They want to protect you. They want to get you the best deals. And so I learned my lesson very early on. And now I'm always looking at exclusivity. I'm always looking at the fine print because you might think, oh my God, this is an amazing offer. But when you're not reading everything thoroughly, and I just didn't know. And it was so early on that I had no idea. And now I know a lot better. And so 
I think the lesson I learned there was one, read your contracts. If you're an influencer and you're getting sponsored job, if you don't have a manager, that's okay. Just know what you're reading before you sign something or have somebody who can like look over it for you. And then another thing was, is I asked, they didn't come to me and say like, we want to represent you. I was like, I think I could have this as a career. I think I could do this. People are reaching out to me. They could have said no. And then that would have been that, but I wasn't afraid of being told no. And it ended up changing my career. Something I really love about you that you do that I don't see a lot of people do. You do it at the beginning of your podcast. I've seen you introduce yourself as it, but you say, I'm an influencer. And I think that's really rare because I do think that there's a stigma against it, but it's something that I love that you do because you just take up space, you own what you do. But I'd love to hear about your thoughts on combating that sentiment, especially in the world that you that we really live in now and really owning that space. I never understood why people don't like the word influencer because that's literally what I do. Like through my content or the different platforms, it influences people either to be motivated in their life through my podcast, or it influences them to buy a product to try, or influences them to create some daily habits in their life by me showing my lifestyle. And so there's nothing wrong with that word. And I actually saw the other day, Kim Kardashian was hosting on SNL. Oh my gosh, intro, She said, I am an influencer. It was incredible. And it's like, she validated this word and she is the biggest influencer that all these people are kind of like tiptoeing around. And it's like, be proud of what you are. It is so difficult to convince people to do something, to buy something, to be influenced by what you do, whether it's through product or through podcast or storytelling or whatever it might be. And be proud that people come to you and see you as somebody who can influence their life in some sort of positive way. And so I think by her saying that, hopefully the people who are shying away from the word feel confident and proud of what you do, because it is not easy to build a community online. It is not easy to stay relevant for a long period of time. And it's not easy to get people to, it's for product, to spend money on something. And so if you're doing that and you're converting for brands and you have a lot of influence on people, you should be proud of that word. And I I don't think you should shy away from it. So I want to get into the weeds of that a little bit, because something I often get asked is, how do you do what you do? How did you get into it? How do you kind of structure your career to work for you in the way that it does? So as someone who's really created a job for themselves, especially 10 years ago when it wasn't a thing and there wasn't a lane that you can look to to rely on, how have you built structure within your career to make it work for you? When I started, you were either a blogger or you were a YouTuber and you kind of lived in one of these worlds. And it was almost like the fashion Instagram bloggers kind of didn't understand the video content of YouTubers. And they kind of like made it like not a competition, but almost where like you couldn't be more than one thing. And when I started, I said, okay, I'm already a little bit older than some of the other girls. And I love video content. This is what I've been doing for work. But I also really understand the written part of content and the blog side, because I've been doing this for work as well, where I write at work and I'm creating video content. I write my own scripts and I have a love for photography and creating photograph type of content. So how can I marry the three things I love? And by doing that, I put myself in a unique position at the very beginning because a lot of people weren't doing both. So where you would usually want to work with one or the other, a brand could say, okay, great. We're going to do a sponsored post with you. And it's going to be a blog post with five images plus a YouTube video. And for them, they were getting this new type of content that didn't really exist from one influencer. Now that's all obviously changed and influencers are on any and every platform and they're doing it all and creating so much content. But I think by doing that for myself at the beginning, I made a choice to take on more workload, but 
it made me unique in the space of like being an influencer. And so now I think if you are an aspiring influencer or early on in your career, you just have to find something that makes you unique and stand out. And that's what I really loved of the rise of TikTok influencers in the last year and a half is they've created niches for themselves and they've been able to wind up on our For You pages where I would have never found these different types of content creators and influencers before. And because of the algorithm on that platform, you have so much opportunity to go viral and reach the people who want to see this type of content that it's like the best time to become an influencer. So even though it might seem like it's oversaturated and a lot of people want to do it, there is no better time to go viral and build a a following. Like there's a girl named Emily Mariko. If you guys are on TikTok, she's amazing. I started following her early September I saw a video that she posted around that time. Like, oh my gosh, thank you for 50K. She's like 5 million followers now. That's in a month and a half. And by the time this episode airs, she might be even her next million after that. And it shows that if you create content every single day and you follow the things that you love, like she wasn't like new, like she's had a YouTube channel for years. She's been creating content online since 2015, but she stuck with it. And eventually one thing hit and now she has millions of followers and she did it by like honing in on this niche. And then when something worked, continuing to create the same type of content, because that's what people wanted to see from her. And I think that's something that you're really good at too. I think anytime I see something, I know it's a Mariana post. I can identify it right away. And it's something that I think you do so beautifully, whether that's through aesthetic or the things that you're wearing. I have to know what does your content calendar look like? Because for me, I'm a little bit obsessive. I use Planoly. It's kind of like my OCD revealing itself, but I'd love to hear on the back end what that looks like for you. It's not as thought out as you might think. I very much like in my feed, I like to post on my Instagram feed once a day, Monday to Friday. I don't really post on my feed on the weekend. What I do plan out is all of my sponsored content. And then I know for sure these certain things are going live on these dates. So then me, my management and the brand can all be aligned on Instagram story content and feed posts. So that's really, really scheduled. But as far as my organic content, I never wanted it to feel forced and I I wanted it to feel personal and not like an editorial calendar. So I have content buckets that I do like to hit each week, like making sure I'm sharing summer Fridays, podcasts, something wellness or personal, like a day in my life type of stuff. And so I do make sure I kind of hit those buckets, but I don't overly plan the feed. But what I do do is because I've got so much going on, I try to shoot a lot of content at once so that when I do go to post, I've got enough stuff in my feed, save like favorited pictures that I want to share. So when time comes, I'm not like scrambling to take a photo. I love Instagram stories because I feel like I can just share on the go every day. It doesn't have to be planned. It's like whatever's going on. This is what I'm posting on my stories today. And so in that sense, I'm like, I'm organized and unorganized. And so for my feed planning, I use Planoly also. It's an amazing app to plan your Instagram feed. I also import inspo images into my Planoly. So if I'm going on a trip, I'll source images on Instagram, Pinterest, like pictures I took or like in a magazine, and I'll make a fake feed based on what I think I want my feed to look like when I'm in that location or space. And if I'm going to like a restaurant, for example, I'll go to the location tag on Instagram. I'll scroll through the pictures and I'll be like, oh, this is a really cute spot in this restaurant. I want to take my picture here. So when I plan my feed before a post, I have an idea of like the flow of pictures that I want to take or to make sure when I go to this location, I'm getting the picture I want from that spot. So I'm definitely more prepared for trips, not so much in like my everyday content. And then for my sponsored content, a program that I use is called Asana. It's incredible. So there's a calendar feature in there and you can share the calendar with a bunch of different people. And in there, I put all of my live dates and due dates because 
with sponsored content with brands, there's exclusivities, there's like buffers you need around dates. And so me and my team, we can all see when stuff is due and when stuff is live. So if a brand's like, can you post on Friday, October, whatever, I'm like, okay, that date's already full because we see something held there. And it just makes it so much easier and eliminates so much back and forth on email of like trying to schedule content dates. We'll be right back after a quick break. Now that it's fall, it's time to turn your style aspirations into your style reality. And VinceCamuto.com is the one-stop shop for all of your fall style needs. Beyond having all of my favorite boots and booties, VinceCamuto.com also has amazing, buttery soft handbags, gorgeous fragrances, and cool apparel and jewelry. Perfect for any occasion and at an affordable price that won't break the bank. I don't know about you, but it feels like it has never been a better time to shop. Do yourself a favor and head over to VinceCamuto.com to check out their latest arrivals. And while you're shopping, you should also sign up to become a VC VIP. The free membership gives you instant access to receive exclusive cashback offers, early notice of sales, and so much more. And just for signing up, you'll receive 50 free VC VIP points to use on your next purchase. An epic fall wardrobe, VC VIP membership, and free points? That's a win-win-win. Head over to VinceCamuto.com to shop now. Terms and conditions apply. Now let's get back to the show. Something I hear people talk a lot about is Instagram fatigue and even just content fatigue in general. And I even, I feel like I felt that, sometimes I feel that after fashion weeks. I'll get home and I'm like, oh my God, I can't see another thing. I'm wondering if you ever feel that, especially as someone that's creating so much content and how you get over that hump. So it's funny because I, since I've been doing this for so long, you have to think I've basically been creating and posting something online every day for 10 years and being an influencer, it's not a normal nine to five. So you don't get nights and weekends off. You don't get holidays off. If anything, in these big moments, people want more content from you. So there's definitely a pressure. And I learned in time from doing it. And I think with age of like just having boundaries in my life of what I choose to share and not share. And I think those boundaries are really important. So you don't get that fatigue because it's going to happen. And so I just try to give myself as much boundaries as I can to try to eliminate that because I do need to create content. Like this is what I do. But I think. I genuinely love to create content and share. Like when I'm doing something, I'm not like, oh, I need to take a picture. I'm like, oh my God, I want to take a picture because I want people to see where I am, what I'm doing, where I ate, what I saw, because I want them to go experience this too, because I loved it so much. I want other people to do the things that I'm doing because I think they'll really love it. And so I think if you are thinking about becoming an influencer, you need to genuinely enjoy creating content because 90 something percent of the content you create is going to be organic. It's not going to be paid. You're doing it out of the pure love of sharing something with your community online. And if you don't love a certain type of content, there are other platforms or types of content that are best suited for you. So if you love video content, then really go all in on YouTube and TikTok. Or if you really love photography, then maybe Instagram is the right platform for you. Or maybe writing is more your thing and you should really have in-depth captions that storytell and where you can really feel what you're saying through written words. And I feel like don't feel pressured to do all of these platforms and all these things. If it's not for you, like I have a lot of influencer friends who have amazing careers and they're like, I'm not a video person. I can't make short form content. Like I'm not going to do TikTok because I know I can't be good at it. And that's okay. I think knowing your boundaries of like what works for you, the type of content you want to create, the type of influencer you want to be is really important. And really look at all these things like a business. 
I love what you said earlier about Instagram captions because I got a DM recently from a friend who is working in the influencer space. She's trying to grow her platform. And it was a really funny DM where she was like, how do you constantly come up with captions? And I laugh because it's true. I can't tell you how many times we've seen the like, I don't have a caption today, here it is. Or we all default to like the emojis. Would love to hear your take on that as someone who is posting once a day, how you're getting the thoughts in your brain out onto Instagram. So it really depends on the background on my computer. I have a constant reminder for myself and it's my own brand essence of like who I am and who I'm not and what my outward expression is and like what the subconscious feeling of like the brand of like Mariana is and warm and classic and ethereal and minimal and trustworthy and calming and effortless are words that I feel like describe me and I hope people would agree. And so when I'm writing my copy or my captions, just like you would for a brand deck, I think of those things. So if I want to think of myself as effortless and feminine and motivating and inspiring, then it should come off in that way. And so when I'm thinking of captions, it's kind of like that. And I love to add value to people's lives. So I went on a trip recently and the caption was, this is everywhere I ate. Like save this post for your future trip. Love that. So it was like a very short form blog post. So instead of having to go to the blog and read this long post, it was like, you just got the main meat of that post right here. And so you can add value in that. I love what you were saying earlier about the words that describe you. I did a practice recently where I had to basically come up with a mission statement for myself and come up with all these words and values that I thought represented me most. And I think that's super helpful to do no matter what career you're doing, because I feel like it helps you stay in line with who you are. It's always something to fall back on. It's always something to reinvigorate you and remind you of what your purpose is. And especially when you're doing a job like you, like you do, I feel like that's so important. I think it's important to know what you're not. So for me, I'm feminine, but I'm not girly. So that will come across in either the styling of my clothes or the way I take photos or the way that I speak, or if I want to be motivational, but not preachy. So the way that I motivate is effortless and friendly and conversational, but it's not negative to people in a way that makes them feel like I'm trying to be better than you. And so saying what you are, but also saying what you're not is really helpful and a really good exercise, whether it's a visual exercise of what you want your content to look like or what you want your brand tone of voice to be or how you want to speak to your followers through video content. I love that. I think that's definitely true. It's so much about what works for you, what works for your audience. You don't have to be a million different things. Something that I have been working on recently is the idea of setting goals. And especially with social media, I think it's kind of tricky. I think we deal with the analytics of it all. And I would love to hear how you set goals for what it is that you do, especially with the amount of content that you produce. And especially because we are really figuring out a job of our own. Are there objectives that you put together? How often do you check in with your progress? I feel like on social, it's really difficult because it's just out of your own hands. So you could be trying so hard, creating the best content every single day. And maybe the algorithm is not in your favor that day or your content didn't get shown to as many people as you wanted and it falls flat. And so that can be really discouraging. And I went through phases where I'd grow really fast and then I'd grow so slow And I would just get so frustrated and I would look at the analytics and I'm like, how am I losing this many thousands of followers a week and then gaining, but I'm just staying at the same number. And I think it's so frustrating, (laughs) but I think it is the most frustrating thing because you know, you're trying so hard. You're working every single day. You're creating like content because you genuinely love it. And whether you have a lot or a little followers, it's something we all struggle with. So I wish I could say, I'm fine with it, but it definitely is frustrating to me. But I think we just have to realize it's out of our control. 
we cannot control how many followers we get or how much engagement this post gets. But what we can control is creating the content that people want to see, creating the content that our followers love. And hopefully we continue to do this. We'll get through whatever rut this is that's happening. And the people that we do have and that are following us will love it and stay. And they'll want to naturally spread the word about your content and then hopefully get new followers that way. So I, I used to set like goals for myself. Like I want to hit this amount of followers by this date, but it's so impossible because there's no like normal rate of growth now where you can project. It's not like finances in a business where you're like, okay, I know I'm getting this purchase order in. So I know I'm going to hit this financial goal. Like with followers, it's like, you have no idea. So as far as goals, I try to set content goals for myself. Like I told you, like I want to post once a week, Monday to Friday. So it's more like goals of how frequently I want to post versus what kind of engagement I'm hoping to get. My current goal right now is posting once a day on TikTok for the entire month. And last night I was falling asleep and I hadn't posted my video yet. So I quickly edited something and put something up because I told myself I would do it every day. I do really love TikTok. I actually spend so much time on there. On Instagram, it's more like keeping up with the friends and brands that I love. But on TikTok, I'm entertained. I laugh. I cry. I find so many new influencers to connect with. Like I'm having lunch with a girl that I met on TikTok tomorrow. I Never met that. her in real life, but I love her content so much. I'm so interested by the type of content I want to see and how people who have been trying to be influencers for so long have gone viral on there and they have these incredible careers for themselves now. And so I'm challenging myself to do it. I know that video content, I mean, I've been doing video content for so long, but TikTok is just so different. It's not the same as Instagram. It's not the same as YouTube. And so I'm trying to force myself to continue to create. And I'm going to see at the end of the month what it did for me. For people who are just starting out, who maybe might be leaning into the numbers a little bit. And by the way, guys, the numbers suck. They're always going to be mean and they're always really tricky to follow. What is a piece of analytics that you recommend every content creator hones in on? Ooh, I think engagement rate is really important. So I like to go through my analytics on Instagram and I like to sort my content by the most engaged content. And then I look at it and I'm like, is there a reason why these posts perform best? And then I look at the bottom ones all the way at the end and I'm like, oh, these are the ones that did not do well. Why do I think this didn't do well? And sometimes what you'll notice is like there's a chunk of content. You'll see a couple lines where like this grid of your lowest or your highest all look like the same type of content. And you're like, okay, People want this type of content from me. So if they're following me for this thing, let me give them more of them. But on the flip side, just because something is not performing well does not mean it's not valuable for you, for your audience. So if you want to position yourself as a certain type of influencer, like let's say you really want to work in health and wellness and people are really used to your fitness gym photos, but you really want to post recipes. Even if you post recipes and they're not getting a lot of engagement, It's serving a greater purpose for your content because you want to be known as this influencer who's not just about fitness in the gym, but you're about fitness at home and your wellness and your entire lifestyle routine. So just because it's not serving an engagement purpose for you, it is serving your overall brand goal and brand vision for the type of influencer you want to be. So don't be discouraged by that if it's serving a greater purpose. But if it doesn't go with your purpose of what you want to be known for as an influencer and it's not performing well, then maybe you shouldn't post that type of content anymore unless it's something you just genuinely want to share. But I don't mind it if it's not performing well, if it has a reason to why I want it to be on my profile. Absolutely love that. I loved the sorting by engagement thing. I think that's something that people overlook a lot. Something I actually love to sort by when I'm thinking about growth and new things, I love to sort by saved because I know that that piece of content really impacted that person, whether it's an aesthetic or a trend 
or something from a podcast that people resonated with. That's something that I've been doing a lot lately. I love to see like how many saves, like sometimes I'm so surprised. And then I see like the sends and I'm like, why did you send this picture? Like, did you like, what, what is it like, what is it about this photo? Like you sent it to somebody. And so I'm always curious, but I po- actually posted it on Instagram and I actually told somebody from Instagram, like it was my petition to make saves public if we wanted them to like Pinterest boards, because yeah. I have so oh, many yeah, amazing that. saves. Yeah. I have like all these saved folders. And I wish that I could either share them to my friends, share them to people at work or show them publicly. So then people could see my saves because I love Pinterest and I go on there for so much like inspiration of like either trips or hair or makeup or nails or holiday or decor. And I wish that I could share those through my Instagram. You are obviously someone who has faced enormous growth on social. And I love what you were saying earlier. There's a sentiment that people are like, oh, it's very hard to grow on Instagram right now. It's hard to grow a following. If you're not already there, you're not going to be there. But as someone who's faced so much growth, I'd love to hear what you feel has been most integral to your growth as a growth tip for others who are just starting out. I know it's not, people are not going to love this answer, but it's just consistency. And I know that that can get really hard, especially when you feel like you're creating content every day for years and nothing's happening. And I know we just talked about her, but Emily, and it's like, she really was doing this every single day for years. And one day it hit and then she got millions of followers in a month. But it's like that little photo. I know we've all seen it on Instagram where the two men are like digging in a thing and one's almost to the diamond and they turn around and then the other one just goes a little bit more and then they like hit the pot of gold. And it's like with consistency, and it's like compounding and it's just like doing the same thing over and over again over time, then one day one piece of content will hit or brands will start to notice you or the type of your photography will get better because you're creating content every day or you'll get more comfortable in front of the camera because you're talking to your Instagram stories every single day. And so it's just like anything, it's a job. And in any job that we do, as we do it over and over again, we become better at it. And so be consistent, don't be discouraged if something is not working, see a reason why it might not be and try something new. And don't be afraid to change up your style of photography or the way you're doing your hair and makeup or where you're shooting content or the types of clothes that you're showing, because that might be the thing that just like makes you take off. I love that. You mentioned jobs a little bit and you are someone who also has so many. I would love to talk about Summer Fridays because as you know, I am a massive Summer Fridays fan massive. Like the jet lag mask is on my top shelf for life. Um, I've caught my boyfriend stealing it many, many times. In my mind, as someone in the influencer space, as someone who deeply pays attention to brands and really, really loves strategic moves like this, it truly was the most brilliant marketing move, I feel like, on your end because you've built this audience of beauty lovers who love to follow you, trust your opinion, love the beauty you use, and then you brought them into a product that they can trust that you made. I would love to hear a little bit about the process of how you marketed the brand on Instagram the same way that you almost market yourself and how it fell into the Mariana Hewitt brand as a whole. So it's really crazy because I was just talking about how when I started as an influencer, it was so early on that there was not really a career path to follow. And it kind of felt the same way as an influencer starting a brand. And so at the time there were a very few, a handful of influencer founded brands, amazing ones that I think of are Huda Beauty, Jen Atkin with Way, which I don't even consider her to be an influencer, but she was someone with a platform who used her styling business to create this brand. And so I didn't have a lot of people to look up to, but those were two women who were friends of mine who were so supportive of this at the very beginning. And any question I had for Jen, she was there for me. And so 
Lauren, who is my co-founder and partner in Summer Fridays in 2016, we were thinking of this brand that we wanted to create. And she was very early pregnant with her now toddler, Evan. And she was cleaning out her beauty routine. And she was like, I can't use these products because I'm pregnant. But all of these brands, their marketing just doesn't resonate with me. And then as a working influencer for so long, so many of my followers would ask me, where could I buy this? How much is it? Is this vegan? Is this cruelty-free? Does it work for these skin types? And so by not even knowing and just building a community online for so long, they became a focus group for us, which I didn't even know that's what it was at the time. And I say this all the time that being an influencer is the best groundwork for being a brand founder because we wear so many hats. We know how to photograph product. We know how to sell and market something. We know how to speak to our customers in a way that is organic and not speaking to them as a brand. And so what we dreamt up first was our jet lag mask. We started working on it in 2016 and we launched the brand in 2018. And when we're going through branding of our products, this is before Instagram stories had existed. And so when we would get products and receive them from brands, unless they were like so beautiful and photographic and Instagram worthy, we didn't want them to live in our feeds because we're like, oh, it doesn't go with the feed aesthetic. Like my feed needs to be perfect. And everything then too was like very blush and millennial pink. Even my personal feed was like very pink and blush at the time. And jet lag, when we thought at the time we were launching, we were just going to launch direct to consumer online only. And so we thought if in a photo is the only place you're going to see this product, what would make you want to buy it? What would make you stop scrolling and be like, what is this? And we were like a blue tube because you think of blue, you think of hydration. And it was so different. And because we were so used to photographing products, we thought when it's a mask is in a jar, it's rolling around everywhere. It's hard to photograph. But what if we put it in a tube? A tube would lay flat in a photo. So you could take a flat lay a lot easier. And then the aluminum tube would be sustainable. And so we went through all of these things and we thought this would really make it stand out. And when it comes to brand, we wanted something that lived beyond the two of us. And so we wanted to name it a feeling. So that when you're using in our products, you have this feeling of something. And jet lag was like this feeling that you could relate to, whether you were physically jet lagged from flying or just exhausted from life. And then Summer Fridays was like, oh, we just look forward to that Summer Friday feeling and having the afternoon off from work and like having some time off for yourself. And so we wanted to bottle that across all of our products that came in the future. And so we launched with this blue tube and we ended up launching with Sephora and we launched in March of 2018. It became a bestseller for us and still has been to this day. And the branding of it is so important because being a brand that was only going to be direct consumer at the time, you need to catch somebody's attention. So they want to buy this product because they're not able to try the incredible formulas in person. And so first and foremost, who we are is effective, clean formulas that are good for you, uh, but actually work. But the packaging and the marketing need to draw you in because if you don't know what the brand is, how would you even know that you wanted to try us? And so it was a combination of those two things. And I just love brand and branding so much. And I'm such like a brand junkie. Like I love to see new brands and packaging and the way they speak to their customers and the typography that they use. And it's all of the things that I love to do. And I didn't know that this was what I wanted to do when I grew up. And now that I'm doing it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to do so many more companies in my lifetime. I love that. And something that I love that you said in the beginning of describing this was that Lauren wasn't attracted to marketing from brands. So I really feel like you guys went into this marketing first, which is so much about what being an influencer is all about. So I feel like you guys were so well primed for this. I absolutely love to hear that. And 
I think it's so, you know, I was going through my top shelf the other day, my beauty closet, and so many of the brands that I love and adore now are influencer founded brands. And I think that that's something that we're seeing so much in the beauty space is these incredible influencers who have built a trusted, wonderful community of people that they've brought over to a product that they love and they've made themselves. And I would love to hear a little bit about in that process of, of having a following and building a product, if there was anything that you were doing with your followers while you were creating the product so that you knew it would resonate with them. Was it like a Q&A, a test? Did you get feedback from your audience? So when we started working on the brand, the feedback that we knew of was not knowing that we were going to start a product. It was just like, I know this because I've posted online for so long that I just have a really good sense of like what my audience wants to buy. So it really was that like gut instinct and like so much data for so long from using programs like reward style, where I could see the back end of like how many clicks, where were people buying stuff? What retailers were they shopping at? But now we are so community driven. Like I actually have a poll that I need to post this week about like what kind of merch do people want from us next? Because like apparel accidentally became like a huge part of our business that we do now. And so now now we do ask our community, what products do you want from us? What top skincare concerns are you looking to address? What other things do you want from us outside of like traditional skincare products? And a lot of times people will say things and I'm like, oh, we actually already have a product for that. And we send them a link to whatever that product might be because they don't even know that we have that because even though we only have a few products, people still haven't got a chance to experience them all yet. And so it's so great to hear from people or I'm like, okay, we need to market this product better because a lot of people don't even know that we have something for this yet. If you were starting out today, what would you do differently? Ooh, if I was starting today, something I would do differently. I think for us personally, I wouldn't change a thing because I think it led us to like where we are today. But I think what we did do is we worked on our first couple products pre-launch so that we had them ready to go. But I probably would have waited until we launched the brand to continue to work on our product pipeline so that we could get more feedback from our customer. Because I think we didn't anticipate what they were going to want next from us. And we were just kind of guessing. And so we were creating more products in hopes that they might want this thing. But as a new and small brand, you have to be really nimble and you have to make sure you're creating the products your customers want. It's kind of like the same thing with like the engagement, what I was saying on Instagram. And so it's like, what are people gravitating towards? What do they want from us? How can we make more of the things that they actually want? So I probably would do that differently. And so just engage with your customers as soon as you can. Definitely. I love that. And I think that's like something I love to see on Instagram with beauty brands is like that engagement in the comments, the reviews. I think that's really, to me, the spark of an amazing beauty brand now is that community driven aspect of it and how people are and brands specifically are talking with their audience. Looking at your career now and especially being such an incredible influencer, having a brand, where do you think influencers will be in the next 10 years? I do not think they're going anywhere. I think companies will always need people to market and sell their products just like they have for decades. And so I don't think it's going anywhere. I think the platforms will change over time where the type of content, like who would have known five years ago that we were going to have apps like TikTok or Snapchat or Instagram stories. We would have never seen that coming. And so I think as an existing influencer, you just have to be quick to pivot to the platforms that are best suited for the type of content you want to create and keep finding new influencers. And I think now too, like younger generations are seeing influencers. And so they're growing up to aspire to be somebody who is influential. And so we see different types of influencers coming up where like they've been wanting to do it forever and they're building really engaged communities from even earlier on than I did. And so I don't think it's going anywhere. I think it's a career that's here to stay. And I I love being able to do it and work with influencers on the brand side. Like it's such a different point of view for me now. And I feel like it's maybe a better influencer 
by being on the side of like the brand and running the campaigns. I love that. Mariana, you relayed so much incredible advice today. Honestly, it was so amazing to hear about your journey from the back end. Even as a friend, there were so many things and so many tips and tricks that I feel like I learned today. So thank you so much for joining us. Honestly, it was just so great to hear from you and learn more about you and the incredible brand that you've built. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Friend of a Friend. Before you go, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at tiermedia.com. And for more behind the scenes of the show, visit us at friendofafriend.us and follow me at Liv Perez on Instagram. Don't forget the two Vs. See you next week.